Season 2 of Ask the Gluten-Free Chef Podcast is brought to you by Calvin Eaton, founder and editor-in-chief of the Gluten-Free Chef blog, an online health and wellness community dedicated to providing you with relevant, up-to-date information on how to live a happy, healthy, and safe gluten-free lifestyle. The Gluten-Free Chef blog also provides meal plans, recipes, and other health-related articles tailored to those living with celiac disease and those living with chronic autoimmune illnesses. To learn more, visit theglutenfreechefblog.com or like us on Facebook at The Gluten-Free Chef blog by Calvin Eaton, Twitter under Gluten-Free Chef 5, hashtag AskTheGlutenFreeChef, Instagram, or by emailing AskTheGlutenFreeChef at gmail.com. Ask the Gluten-Free Chef podcast is found on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and is in a one-hour format, and we premiere every second and fourth Friday of each month. So without further ado, here's this week's episode of Ask the Gluten-Free Chef podcast. So welcome everyone for another episode of Ask the Gluten Free Chef Podcast. I am your host, Calvin, and I am joined today with a guest co-host, the lovely Alicia Alvarez. Hi Alicia. Hey Calvin, how are you? Good. It's it's so good to have you on with us again today. Yeah. Um it's a beautiful day. How how's your day been? My day is I can't even, like, if there's another word for exhausted, Alicia, I think. Oh, no. Whatever that word is, that's what I'm like today. Oh. <laughs> but I'll, I'll go ahead. It's actually, for some reason, I've been really tired this week. But other than that, it's actually been a really nice day. It's gorgeous outside again. It seems like yeah. every time I'm on here, we had really nice days, which is a good thing. Beautiful weather. Um, the only, I mean, I love this, like, it seems like, this month has been, like, summer finally kind of, like, I guess caught its bearing. We've just been having this, like, <laughs> gorgeous weather. Exactly. And I'm just, like, the only thing, I've been in, I've been in and out of Fargo Flair with the start of school and everything, so uh-huh. I'm, I'm kind of really pushing through today. Mm-hmm. Um, the humidity has been high, and I think, I don't think I know, that when, when we have high humidity, that really exacerbates my symptoms, and it's just uh, that much harder, you know. So mm-hmm. um, the sun I love, but I just wish it wasn't as humid. I think we had a couple days where we had the sunshine and the warmth, but not the humidity. But these last several weeks, I've just been it's been wicked to my body, just awful. Oh, that's, yeah, that's hard. And the weather here is just so changeable, and, and it's very humid in general. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard, but I, 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 I'm trying to be positive, and then just with kind of like being an educator, getting through the day. Mm-hmm. I'm just by, by Thursday, I'm just like, oh my god, we're recording on a Thursday. It's just like one more day, one, one more day. day. But it's, I'm, I'm glad that you're with us. Um, we love having you, not only on the podcast but also um on the site. And what I wanted to do, um, everyone who's listening, so Alicia is a featured guest contributor, a, a writer for the Gluten Free Chef blog, and she has also been a lovely co-host with us for the last couple episodes. So what I wanted to do is introduce a new segment that I wanted to kind of pilot um, for this episode, for this week, um, kind of called Gluten Free Bits and Pieces, where basically we'll kind of, it'll just kind of be like almost like a hot topic kind of a thing where we kind of talk about, just very briefly give snapshots of what's popular related to celiac and gluten-free news. And then what will be a little different is for this week's question theme, what is paleo? Alicia is going to really be the the lead moderator for, for our podcast for this this week. And, um, but before we get to that, we want to kind of really get into this gluten-free bits and pieces on the segment. And the first topic, Alicia, that I wanted to kind of talk about is this, all this news about Cheerios have gone gluten-free, but for some reason, I've been hearing more negative than positive news about it. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been in tune with this kind of like Cheerios being gluten-free and, and all of the kind of this rhetoric surrounding it? 
Yeah, I've heard some things about it. I know people were really, really excited um, that Cheerios were going to finally be gluten-free. And then I heard some things on social media about how everyone was waiting for it to come to Canada. But then I kind of took a little bit of a dark turn that um, I started hearing things that uh, people were getting sick from the Cheerios and that they were starting to, the way that they test the Cheerios wasn't, um, they weren't testing every box. And so you right. might end up with a box that ha actually has quite a significant amount of gluten in it. So it's kind of scary. Yeah, so so here's what, so this, I, I did some, I, I tried to come prepared for this new segment, Gluten Pizza to Pizza. So I pulled an article, I and I forgot to write down the actual URL, but it's five things you need to know about gluten-free Cheerios, and it's actually from a blogger. Um, we'll have links for all of these, all of you who are listening, and also, just so you all know, we're recording outside because it's so beautiful, so there might be some kind of outside noises. If, if, you, if you hear wind blowing or an airplane overhead, that's what's happening, just so you all know. But the article, five things you need to know about gluten-free Cheerios, so... Like Alicia said, um, General Mills, Cheerios are now, they have a gluten-free branded Cheerios. And so everyone was initially super excited, you know, kind of like our favorite childhood cereal is now gluten-free. But it's kind of like now, wait a minute. So she, this blogger, her name is Joanna, she went through five things we need to know about gluten-free Cheerios. And like Alicia mentioned, one of the things, the, the way that General Mills is doing the testing is very questionable. So, and Alicia, you hit it right on the head. So basically, essentially, what they're doing from this from this information, if I'm if I'm articulating it properly, the testing method, what they're doing is that they they're saying that gluten free, according to General Mills Cheerios, is a product that's less than twenty parts per million. So, for those of you who don't know what PPM means, um, there's a certain threshold that the, I guess the gluten-free powers that be are saying make things safe. So it's usually like the less the parts per million, the better, because, of course, mm -hmm. nothing processed can be completely 100% gluten-free. Mm -hmm. But we do know that um, from a scientific perspective, and we did a podcast about this before, how much gluten-free um, can actually make a person sick. And even though there's no standard, um, we do know that under a certain threshold, the PPM parts per million, most people are okay, most people are safe. So what General Mills has done, they're basically, to give an example, and this is what the article does, um, if, if samples were pulled from six boxes of Cheerios, five of those boxes could have 10 parts per million, but the sixth box could potentially have 70 PPM because what they're doing is, they're, the, the oats, the oats that are used to make the Cheerios, and just before we even get into that, basically Cheerios have always been, I guess, gluten-free with quotes because they're made from oats, and oats, mm -hmm. as we know, are, are a naturally gluten-free grain. But the oats are, are cross-contaminated at, at growth in the growing and the harvesting and the transporting phases of them. Um, but according to General Mills, they feel that their system um, which is a mechanical system that's separating all the wheat and all the rye and all the barley from the oats. It's done, it's done mechanically. So they're not using certified gluten-free oats, meaning that the oats are grown on fields that don't also grow wheat or rye or barley. Okay. That's what they're doing, and then they're kind of putting it all together, and then they're mm. mixing, they're mixing the batch, as, as you know, as you as you will, and then they're saying that the final product that gets into the gluten-free label box, if it's less than 20 parts per million, those five boxes, they're saying that that's okay. But if you're a pers person who so happens to get that sixth box, that might, because it's like this random, randomized selection, mm -hmm. it's kind of like you're, you're taking a gamble. And that's the part that most of us as celiacs or persons with celiac disease don't like. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, and also, you know, for those of us who may have, you may not have celiac disease specifically, but you might have a non-celiac gluten sensitivity, mm -hmm. and then that, therefore you're asymptomatic. You might not have all of the gastro symptoms that Alicia and I have or, you know, whatever else, but it might catch up with you later on. 
it's kind of like people are not liking this kind of random selection in the way that they're even doing the the testing and the packaging, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, in addition to this, there are numerous reports that people are getting sick eating the gluten-free Cheerios. And General Mills is trying to say maybe those people who are getting sick are people who are just also oat-intolerant. So mm-hmm. we do know that some of us who have celiac disease, even though oats are naturally gluten-free, some people, their 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 bodies, their intestines still has a reaction to oats or maybe quinoa and some other grains. Mm-hmm. But what people don't like is that General Mills is trying to basically pass the buck to you as the consumer and saying, well, maybe you're just oat intolerant and didn't know it before now. <laughs> All right. I don't really like that. I'm not liking that. That's no. Like... And, and then um, there's also, you know, there's sites who are kind of reviewing it. There's sponsored posts. And so then you kind of have to get into, well, is this specific gluten-free blogger or gluten-free food blog is endorsing it, that mm-hmm. still doesn't necessarily mean that it's okay because, you know, mm-hmm. being, you know, me being a blogger, et cetera, you know, there's a thing called sponsored posts where you're, you're paid to mm-hmm. positively endorse a specific product. And hopefully no one's doing this, but, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's some, there's some ethical issues that have to go into, you know, if someone's paid to endorse a specific product, are they giving a completely unbiased, honest, completely reliable review? Exactly. I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. None of us really can. Um, so there's that. And, you know, this blogger, her last point was really like, you've lived this long without Cheerios. <laughs> we think you can live a little longer just, just until General Mills gives, becomes a little bit more transparent mm-hmm. to how they all of a sudden slap the gluten-free label on their product. Because what it seems like to me kind of, you know, kind of just kind of dissecting all of this, I think it sounds really sounds like General Mills all of a sudden one day said, oh, our oats are always gluten-free. Cheerios have <laughs> kind of always been gluten-free. Let's just now label mm-hmm. gluten-free now. Yeah, when, that's exactly true. Yeah, and, and so it's kind of almost like what they call a crapshoot, as they, as they say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think just the longer and short of it is, Alicia, that you really just kind of have to do your own research as a consumer. And Mm -hmm. most people, myself included, is saying that until General Mills kind of has some more accountability to what they're doing, that I'm going to kind of stay stay clear of gluten-free Cheerios for now. I think, you know, I think that's an excellent point really for any gluten-free packaged products. I think that we just have to be very careful. You know, our unfortunately, the FDA that regulates all of our food products doesn't have a lot of teeth, so to speak. And so we as consumers have to be very active about doing our research, checking, you know, mm-hmm. to some extent to eat our own guinea pigs because you can't trust corporations. I mean, they're going to do what is best in their best interest, not necessarily in what our, is in our best interest. Exactly. And, you know, there is a – so there's a petition that's online for those who are trying to really push the FDA to have more stringent guidelines when it comes to – products that are labeled gluten-free. Um, we'll have, a, again, the, the notes. In, in the show notes, we'll have the links to these articles that we discussed in the Bits and Pieces segment. But the website is injoannaskitchen.com, and, again, the, the title of the article is Five Things You Need to Know About Gluten-Free Cheerios, and you can Google that. I'm sure you'll find it yourself. But moving right along, I don't want to spend too much time on each of these topics. Mm-hmm. Um, Alicia, you sent over, you know, and of course all of these all of these kind of tidbits and the buzz is, is always on the gluten free blog Facebook page. We we we're constantly both Alicia and myself are resharing and sharing articles and recipes and different things that are related to celiac disease and gluten free living. But this teal pumpkin project was one that I, that really caught Alicia's eye, and then I did a little bit more research about it. And you know, with Halloween coming up soon in October. I thought this was an awesome idea. Kind mm-hmm. of, so it's called the Teal Pumpkin Project, and you can go to, you know, foodallergy.org to learn more about it. But basically it's a the Food Allergy Research and Education Council 
they kind of have created in 2014 this Teal Pumpkin project where people, it's kind of to promote celiac disease and other food allergies and for people who, trick-or-treaters who are not able to kind of trick-or-treat and get candy kids who can't, you know, eat the things that <laughs> most trick-or-treaters can, um, you pledge as a household, you pledge, there's 100,000 households around the country who have kind of pledged to be teal pumpkin houses, and you take mm -hmm. the pledge, you get kind of stickers sent to you from the website, and you basically fill your pumpkin, you paint it teal, as opposed to, you know, of course, pumpkins are orange, and you, um, it's basically you designate your house as a safe house or a safe pumpkin, a teal pumpkin, so that trick-or-treaters who might have a gluten sensitivity can still partake in the festivity mm -hmm. of Halloween for those people who do who do that sort of thing, but go to a house that's, you know, if the pumpkin is painted teal, you know that it's a house that you can go to with a pumpkin that's, you know, filled with gluten-free safe treats. And I know mm -hmm. that, you know, for you, Alicia, you know, Baby Gabe isn't quite at that age yet, but mm -hmm. hopefully things like this are still around when he is, you mm -hmm. know, trick-or-treater age. And I, I think it's awesome. I mean, the thing that really strikes struck me so strongly with this is that it's so inclusive. You know, it's really making people aware of that there are many, many children out there, whether it's peanut allergies or with gluten allergies or really with anything, and it allows them to be, mm -hmm. you know, just normal trick-or-treaters. And I think that's awesome. Absolutely. And, and what's nice about it is that not only do you get, you know, like stickers and logo, logos and decals sent to you, but they also, there's like informational worksheets and brochures that you can hand out, you know, to parents or trick-or-treaters just so that it's the, the purpose of it is the objective is to really just increase awareness for food allergies, for autoimmune illness, for celiac disease. And the more, the more that we all can do that in, in, any, in any fashion, the better for everyone mm -hmm. involved. You know, just because, you know, food allergies are becoming more prevalent, celiac disease, is, you know, specifically, and, and just other autoimmune illnesses and food allergies. And I think that the more that everyone is aware of it, the less there's a stigma, the less there's a stereotype, and the more that people know about it. Because people mm -hmm. just usually don't know a lot about celiac disease and other food and autoimmune illnesses. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, again, you know, the, the website for that is foodallergy.org, and it's the Peel Pumpkin Project. Um, and what I, you know, another article that really struck me that's kind of like a hot button is just kind of research around finding some, maybe at some point in the future, a cure for celiac disease, and if not a cure, maybe a medication. I'm not sure what that will look like when and if and when that happens. Mm -hmm. But an article that really struck me is was I found it on glutenfreeliving.com, and it really, um, if celiac disease might hold the clue to how other diseases work and how to stop them, and it really just spotlights the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health in Baltimore, Maryland, and specifically Dr. Dr. Rose, who is really what they call the grandfather or father of autoimmune disease, and he has he's a researcher um, and a doctor who has kind of spent his whole life researching and doing experiments about autoimmune illness and autoimmune disease, specifically celiac disease. And what we're finding is that Dr. Fasano, who, for those of you who don't know, he is um, the head of the celiac, the National Center for Celiac Disease. I think in Boston, Massachusetts, mm. and um, it's a colleague, Dr. Rose, they're really looking at, they're using celiac disease as kind of like a springboard to, to kind of really look at how autoimmune illness works in general. Oh, wow. Um, and Dr. Rose has really been an advocate for autoimmune disease, celiac disease, and it's just a lot of information on his research, what the Johns Hopkins School has done around celiac disease and research around that. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are really, who love to read about scientific research and really are tuned into all of the research that's, that's happening around celiac disease and how doctors can look at it not only to help find a cure to celiac disease but other autoimmune illnesses that, you know, everything from Crohn's disease 
and all the other things that all of us deal with, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, et cetera. So there's that. Did you want to add anything to that, Alicia? I'm sorry to cut you off. I don't know. I just I think that that's fascinating because I find the science part of it very interesting. And you would think that all autoimmune illnesses have to be related in some way because it's all the same kind of overreaction of the immune system. So it's just it's interesting that they can take one and kind of look at that and maybe, you know, it'd be awesome to find a cure for, you know, fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome. I mean, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. And, yeah, and so... It's just, you know, when you do some little digging, there's there's, there's tons of, of resources out there, books out there on the research that Dr. Rose and Dr. Cassano is doing through the center. So, again, that will be on the show notes. And the last the last piece, or actually the second to last piece, I should say, is, is one that, you know, really is close to my heart, being someone who has some other illnesses I take several prescription medications kind of just to manage my fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. But one of the things that I'm always looking at and don't can't always find reliable information is um, medications. What, to, mm-hmm. what can you do to get gluten-labeled medications labeled that, that have gluten or don't have it? And um, Congressman Tim Ryan, he was the sponsor of Gluten and Medication Disclosure Act in 2013, which from 2012, if you do if you do some research, there have been several attempts for Congress to pass acts that would require manufacturers to disclose mm-hmm. um, gluten in medication. So far, the, the attempts in 2012 and 2013 to do that, they didn't really get they they died kind of on the committee level. But mm-hmm. this congressman in this um, article written by reporter Nikki Porter on glutenfreeliving.com talks about what we all can do, go to the website, sign a petition that kind of will be a voice so that Congress can see that people do want medications labeled easily, quickly, so that you can see, hey, this medication, this supplement, and supplements are a big culprit, Mm-hmm. You know, myself included, I've taken supplements that, lo and behold, I find out later after I've been taking it for months, actually mm-hmm. it does have gluten in it. Me and, too. You know, Alicia, you mentioned in, in the previous podcast about kind of those hidden sources of gluten, and a lot of times you're not thinking about supplements. You're not thinking about lotion, mm-hmm. um, shampoo, body wash, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And if, if there could be an act that would require manufacturers that every level to, to label products, not just food. Not It's not just mm-hmm. food that you can get your gluten contamination. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be better for all of us, you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, acts like this need to get on the docket, and this article on glutenfreeliving.com is just really kind of gives you information on how you can be that voice and, um, Again, we'll put it on the show notes. It's, it's taken from glutenfreeliving.com. So I really thought that was one that really stuck core with me, being someone who takes several medications. And I'm sure there's not always, and I found this out from my um, pharmacist, Alicia, mm-hmm. some, med- some medications, there, there, there isn't a gluten-free alternative for oh, really? that specific medication. So for me... For, for some medications, I'm, I'm contaminating myself every time that I take it because I have oh, to wow. take the medication. But mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Know, there may not be a manufacturer who's able to produce it gluten-free and safe. Wow. So, you know, I guess it is what it is. But the more the more voices we have, the more mm-hmm. you know, the manufacturers and those who you know make prescription medication created, the manufacturer maybe will be able to see that there's a need for that. And the last kind of bit, bit and piece that I wanted to talk about, and I did, we just found this out last night, I had no idea that there were um, celiac-trained service dogs who actually <laughs> are able to sniff out, literally sniff out gluten in products. Um, that is the coolest thing. Yeah, I saw this dog, his name is, I think I think her name, or I'm not sure if it's a female or male dog, but her name is Nada, I think it was, and mm-hmm. she is a gluten-free, serv- a celiac service dog, and her role with her handler is she's been trained as, of course, a um, golden retriever. 
most service dogs are of the golden retriever breed. And she is able to sniff out gluten. And it was just so fascinating to see it. And it actually, the on our Facebook page, the Gluten Free Chef blog by Calvin and on Facebook, the video that we shared shows her, the dog, sniffing out um, the, the handler randomly selected boxes of the gluten-free Cheerios. And <laughs> I think she sniffed out six boxes. And mm-hmm. three of those boxes she actually um, signaled as containing gluten. So wow. her handler was kind of like, this is what's really concerning to me being someone who actually has a, a celiac mm-hmm. sensitive service animal. So, and you know, for, for her, she was like, if if the dog sniffs it out, it's not safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's... And I was like, can someone, can I, can I have one? Like, I know. You know I want one too. <laughs> I had no idea it even existed. You know, celiac sensitive service animals. You know, who knew? It's, it's, I've known that they, um, have service animals to sniff out uh, things like for people who have really severe anaphylactic reactions, uh, like to peanuts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard of that in the past too. And it's kind of neat that they're extending that to to gluten. That's very cool. Exactly, and you know, like I said, Google is our friend, and there's just a, you don't always feel like there's a lot of information on gluten-free living or celiac disease, but when you kind of put in the Google search, you can find all sorts of information. And so that's really what, you know, this bits and pieces segment was, was, is really about, kind of like hot topics, you know, about gluten-free issues and things that are kind of hot topic issues and, you know, information that that's happening right now. So, again, we'll put all of the bits and pieces for this episode in the show notes. But without further ado, I kind of want to um, give the conversation to Alicia to really get into this week's topic, what is paleo, and we'll be talking about paleo, the paleo diet, what it is, what it's not, and some of the other protocols that um, are are similar and also different to paleo eating. And so I really wanted Alicia to really lead this discussion because, you know, as you talked about, you know, on, on the blog and writing, Alicia, and um, via the podcast, the paleo diet is one that you've ascribed to um, at different points in your celiac journey. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I really wanted to turn the conversation at this point over to you. So, yeah, so what, you know, for those of us who, you know, who may be listening who don't know, just kind of simply put, what is the paleo diet? Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, the paleo diet was actually kind of the brainchild of Lauren Cordain, who's a scientist who wrote a book called The Paleo Diet. Um and it's been around for a, a while, longer than, than people think. It's gotten a lot of press really recently, some very good and some very bad. But basically, the idea behind the paleo diet is that human beings um, have been evolving for a very long time and that the introduction of certain things into our diets, like grains, had only been very recent from an evolutionary standpoint. And so... Dr. Cordain's idea is that human beings have not evolved to be able to properly digest and assimilate nutrients from those certain sources. Um, And also that there are certain things um, that are in certain foods, like grains and legumes, which include beans and soy, um, that actually work against good nutrition, that they bind to certain uh, elements and minerals and actually prevent you from from getting the nutrition that you need. Um, the idea behind the whole evolution thing is very controversial. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's one of the things that can be argued. But I think that if you set that aside, the good thing to take away from the paleo diet is that it does eliminate all of the known food allergens, and all of the known ways that you can get a lot of inflammation in your body. And as we all know that chronic inflammation is the one of the major causes of diseases like cancer and heart disease. And so generally, although there's different types of paleo, you're supposed to admit thing, uh, omit things from your diet like sugar, um, high fructose corn syrup, which seems to be in everything nowadays, um, grains of all kinds, so whether they're gluten-free or containing gluten, uh, legumes, which include beans, lentils, soy, um, peanuts, dairy, uh, vegetable oils, 
anything with those nasty trans fat in it, basically all processed foods because they have artificial sweeteners, um, and anything with like sucralose or fructose or dextrose or all of those fake sugars in it. And so when you hear that list, you think, well, what am I supposed to eat then? That's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking, Alicia. I'm like, so it pretty much sounds like you've eliminated every single thing I, I can't eat. So. I know. Um, so what you do tend to do on the paleo diet is you emphasize the use of, obviously, fruits and vegetables, um, meats, uh, things like that. And also, people who follow the paleo diet, especially very rigorously, have come up with a lot of very creative nut flour recipes, um, almond flour, coconut flour, things like that, um, that you can make all sorts of interesting baked goods with. So there are paleo treats. And it also emphasizes the use of fat, which we don't get enough good fats in our diet. We get a lot of fat. But this emphasizes the use of avocado oil, coconut oil, olive oil, you know, fats that are really good for your body and that help in hormone production and regulation and with your nervous system and all really good things like that. So it's, it can be a challenge, um, especially if you're someone who ate or someone who eats a lot of processed foods. And part of my story is before I was diagnosed with the celiac, I was exactly one of those people. I um, in love with Pop-Tarts. I still do, even if I can't eat them. You know, I was always, you know, a big convenience food person. But when I was diagnosed, I knew I had to do something. And I'm always best with dramatic changes. Um, I like to kind of jump with both feet in, um, which is a trait that my parents have never really enjoyed about me. But um, I know that I can make big changes. And I thought that the paleo diet was a really, really good way to kind of manage my symptoms, cut out everything that's going to irritate me, and really try and get me back on, on the right track. Because even if um, you, you know, you might have a gluten allergy, you might have a celiac diagnosis, but you don't know if you're sensitive to other things that mo most or a lot of people are, like soy, beans can be very agitating to people, especially people with um, ulcerative colitis, IBD, IBS things mm -hmm. like that. So there's a lot of, it can really help quite a, a large group of people. Well, it's interesting because, so you meant when on, on the list of foods that wouldn't really be part of a paleo diet, you said, was it peanuts specifically, so just peanuts? Um, and no, just peanuts is part of the legume family, so that includes the oh, soy, okay. peanuts, beans, lentils, all of those things. And as we know, peanuts um, are a common, one of the most common allergens for sure. people, and they actually have been found to be, you know, contain certain carcinogenic compounds. Yes. So they're not really that healthy, although they're very, very tasty. Well, it's interesting because usually when people have a nut allergy, they, they also can't, like, eat almonds or walnuts mm -hmm. or anything like that. So... Um, this, this is, for me, with, with paleo and kind of, not, I don't think I'm an expert on it, but just mm -hmm. in the research that I have done, um, it always seems like beyond, it's, it's, it's even beyond just gluten-free. I find that even some of the, the, the magazines or, or blogs or mm -hmm. what have you, and maybe this is just because of the particular things that I've actually, I guess, tapped into, but it always seems like I feel like sometimes people who are, you know, are really mm -hmm. around the paleo way of life, there's like a sense of a condescending, like, <laughs> it's really hard to describe, but I, I just, mm -hmm. it's, I've, I've, it's, it's read to me more off-putting and, and almost in a sense of like, mm -hmm. you know, someone, not that they're saying that they're better than you, but it's just, mm -hmm. oh, how could you eat that? Like, oh, that's not paleo. And I think sometimes even on some of the recipes that I've, um, shared with on the gluten free blog, people have written in email or whatever, and they say, "Well, this isn't paleo." And I'm always confused because I'm thinking, "Well, I've never branded the gluten free chef blog, you know, the recipes that are on the blog as being like strictly mm -hmm. paleo." Um, I've always wanted to keep the information and on the, and, you know, of course, gluten free because it's a gluten free blog, and that's how I live, but. When you start to get into these like pockets or segment, you know, segments of gluten-free living, which there are different types, where you know, within the gluten-free umbrella, there's even you can, you know, really start to isolate paleo and other types mm -hmm. of protocols. Well, I always wanted to be as general as possible and really show that mm -hmm. you know, gluten-free living and eating 
doesn't have to be so isolating. Mm-hmm. And you, there is a wealth of things that you can eat. And so from my perspective, I always think, well, I don't think I want to go paleo because it always <laughs> seems like it, it cuts out even more things. And if you're saying that, okay, mm-hmm. um, I want to be more plant-based, if you're going to be plant-based, gluten-free, and paleo, it's like, well, that's intense. <laughs> now I can't eat my beans, I can't eat my lentils, I can't eat, you know, milk, I, you know. So there has just been a lot of, I think there's been what I've read in addition to this condescending kind of like Mm -hmm. rhetoric, there's also huge debate within the paleo community. So there are Mm -hmm. people who are like what are considered staunch paleo supporters, Mm -hmm. but then there's people who don't feel like, you know, why does, I guess my question is why does it have to be like, why do you have to be like, okay, I'm paleo, but maybe you're paleo most of the time, but sometimes you're not. Like, so what? Like, who cares? Like, who's going I, to... I, I think that it's a completely valid criticism of the movement, and that is definitely sure. one of the major problems that I've had with it. And I think that that kind of becomes a problem, not just in diets, but really whenever someone adopts something as their identity, there tends to be this development of an other or an outgroup. And so, you know, if you're thinking, oh, I'm paleo, then everyone outside of my little tribe, you know, they're bad and they're threatening me and, you know, they're going to somehow, you know, something, in, in a sense, if you're outside of paleo and if you're someone who's a very staunch paleo advocate, the modern lifestyle is very threatening to you because you're fighting against it. You're doing everything that you can to be completely opposite of what everyone else is doing. And so it can become very, very um, almost, xenophobic or very um, very yeah. isolating, you know, sure. in a way. Um, and I think that from the way that I, want, I approach it, I've always looked at it as um, a healing method for me. That's really the way that I was trying to come about it and trying to figure out, well, what am I going to eat now? Mm-hmm. And um, to kind of address your question about the extremeness of, or the extremes that folks who go on the paleo diet go to, um, if you're in a real hardcore paleo mindset, you truly believe that eating something that's off-plan is almost poisonous to your body. Okay. And so, you know, if you really, really believe that beans are harmful to you, the idea of eating them occasionally is just silly, you know, really from that sure. mindset. It's like, why would I occasionally go and eat some fire? <laughs> you know, there'd be no reason to do that. And so if you um, are coming from the perspective that you really, really think that, that's, I think, where that kind of mentality develops, is that they're just trying to, to look out and safeguard their health. And, um, and, I, and I try to kind of approach that very condescending attitude from that perspective. I try to be kind of compassionate in a sense because it can sure. be very grating, especially, you know, if you're because I've tried to be paleo. Um, I go off and on it. I want to be paleo. I don't want to be paleo. Sometimes it depends. And so I've gotten some negative feedback from people I know who are very into the, the lifestyle that I'm not as good as I could be. But I know that they're saying that from a place of compassion. They want me to be healthy. They want my family to be healthy. And so it is. it can be kind of agitating sometimes, though. Well, I think, Alicia, I think, well, just just because you decide on a Friday that you're going to have a bowl of ice cream or two, a scoop of ice cream because that's what you wanted, like why why does that make you not paleo? And that's always my question. Like just because you know sometimes you want you want a little pack of Skittles because like you just you just do and it's like mm-hmm. for me because I deal with so many different illnesses and just like anxiety mm-hmm. just in relation to that and um, being worried about how much I'm pushing my body, how much mm-hmm. rest I'm getting, how much I'm taking on just, like, in my life, just in general, mm-hmm. to, to try to add one more layer of, like, mm-hmm. and, and I'm speaking for myself personally, you know, for those of you who are listening, to add one more layer of, you know, that I'm someone who, you know, I, I come from a place of fat, you know, being obese, and so mm-hmm. then I'm trying to watch, like, my calories and so I'm like, have a food diary, and I'm trying to be mindful of how much protein I'm getting now. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, now I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna eat 
I want to try to be more paleo based, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But 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 for me, I I I can't because there's already so many things that mm-hmm. I have to be concerned with mm-hmm. to add one more layer of this, like where I'm almost like inducing anxiety upon myself of oh no, <laughs> oh my god, I have to go find a paleo centric or paleo mm-hmm. friendly ice cream where I could just get a scoop. You know, I for me, it's usually for me. When I want to, like, what they call cheat on, you know, the the way of life, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. it's like I just want a scoop of ice cream right now. <laughs> I don't want to go out and have to go look and pay seven ninety nine for a paleo-friendly <laughs> carton of ice cream because mm-hmm. I say, well, eating eating a pint of paleo ice cream really isn't healthier to me. <laughs> exactly. It's not healthier when I can just have a scoop that's 130 calories of average frozen yogurt and it be done and I'm done with mm-hmm. it and over. But if I go out and buy a whole pint of it, then I'm going to probably, for me, speaking for myself, I'm going to probably finish the pint of it, mm-hmm. whereas I could have just got the scoop and it would have just, it wouldn't have been paleo, but it would have <laughs> been certainly more healthy for me than eating mm-hmm. a pint of paleo ice cream or, or you know, or, or even, you know, it's like, you know, I, I just want to go to a bakery and get one cookie that's gluten-free, mm-hmm. not bake a whole batch of 12, a dozen, mm-hmm. because a dozen of, a dozen paleo cookies are not as healthy ever as one just non-paleo gluten-free oh, yeah. cookie. So I guess I'm saying that that's, that's the mindset that I have in, like, everything in moderation. So mm-hmm. I, oh, if I'm going to eat paleo or even for me, you know, I try to be as plant-based as possible, but, you know, sometimes... I want a burger on a gluten-free bun <laughs> because, A, I don't eat hamburgers a lot. I, I, mm-hmm. I really, and really now, I don't even like the smell or texture of ground beef. So usually mm-hmm. it's like a, a ground turkey or it's a ground chicken. Mm-hmm. So why should my friend who's a vegan, whatever, whatever that means, like give me slack or have some mm-hmm. snide remark or look at me mm-hmm. a certain way because I ate a turkey burger because – I just wanted a turkey burger because I crave a turkey burger. And sometimes mm-hmm. you crave things because your body is missing out on that nutrient, that iron mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And so mm-hmm. I say, well, is a turkey burger going to gonna like – and I think sometimes you can get to the point because I can be so like type A, anal, et cetera, mm-hmm. about so many other things. It's like why am I, why am I giving myself anxiety about whether mm-hmm. something is paleo – gluten-free, vegan, sugar-free, or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so oh, yeah. I think sometimes it's like, and, and I've been I've been in that place where it's like I've given myself a headache and giving myself more pain or more anxiety mm-hmm. because I'm sitting there in a grocery store literally deliberating about buying <laughs> something oh, yeah, for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, is this life or this is really isn't a life or death issue? But somehow I've made it life or death because I'm trying to remain in the confines of the, the paleo gods are watching. When it's like, who mm-hmm. who cares? No one, who no one's stopping me from eating whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, I've been there, and I know those of us who you know those of you who are listening, you've been there. And so I mm-hmm. say, well, why can't I just? Why am I not paleo because I ate some peanuts? Mm-hmm. Peanuts one day, like you, you still are. Exactly. Who, who, who to say you're not? You are. You, you say you're not. You know. And I think that's where I had a very hard time. That kind of is event. It's what always undoes my relationship with the paleo diet is the sure. this kind of pressure to be perfect and to always eat 100% perfectly. And I think that I've struggled with quite a bit um, and was kind of my my downfall. My actual real downfall was when I tried to go on the autoimmune protocol, which is a subset of of paleo. It's it's an even more extreme version of the paleo diet, and Mm -hmm. I just couldn't handle that and had kind of a breakdown and was like eating gluten-free Pop-Tarts at 1 o'clock in the morning. But that's a whole other scary story. Um, But I can, you know, I can understand that people are – and, you know, you and I deal with this all the time. We get frustrated. You know, we're sick and sometimes we don't know why, you know, and we just are kind of try to find something that we think is going to fix the problem or is going to help the problem. And, sure. you know, I think that a lot of people just really, really believe that this is kind of, especially when you start to talk about the autoimmune paleo protocol, 
And people really believe that has reversed their autoimmune disease. I mean, scientifically speaking, I have no idea if it has or not. It, but there are a lot of, you know, a lot of anecdotal evidence out there to say that it has really worked for people. Well, you know, some of that, you know, and, and not to say that it hasn't, but some of that also is sometimes if, if we really believe that something will mm-hmm. or won't harm or hurt us or exactly. that something is good for us, then a lot of times you really are what you think. And mm-hmm. we've had discussions about this on the podcast and, you know, even on the blog about what what is your perception, your perspective on your your pain, your condition, your illness, how you look at the glass that either half full or half empty. And, you know, sometimes I know for sure that I, like, mentally made myself ill mm-hmm. more so because of what I was thinking about and less about what it was that I actually did or ate. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that that, you know, for some people – Perhaps going doing a paleo diet and living that lifestyle has reversed a particular illness. I can't say that that has happened for the illnesses that I deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, everyone's different, and, mm-hmm. and and so you know who's to say that that's true? But I am really cautious about being an advocate, either just from myself or mm-hmm. you know, through the podcast or through the blog. Saying, telling anyone or saying that this particular whatever will be the cure mm-hmm. because I feel like I've been in that place where I was so caught up in this, as long as I just do this. Mm-hmm. So I do it 100% and I'm like, I do it, I'm 100% to a fault and then when it doesn't cure whatever it is that I'm trying to mm-hmm. cure, then I send myself into this depression-induced tailspin mm-hmm. and then what I what's happened to me is that I end up going the complete opposite. Where, like you said, you're up one o'clock in the morning, exactly. eating not even gluten free pop tarts, but just like eating any pop tart <laughs> because you're like to hell with it. I don't yep. care anymore. Mm-hmm. So that that's not the way to do it because then you have these extreme highs mm-hmm. and lows, and it almost becomes this like almost bipolar experience. Mm-hmm. It's just not healthy no. mentally, physically at all. So. I, I now I now say, you know, every little every good helps. So yes, limiting processed foods helps. Yes, eating whole real food helps. Yes, for some people, cutting out all grains may actually help some people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same thing with, you know, legumes and, and, and lentils or whatever it is and so, you know, dairy, et cetera. So I feel like all these little things help but mm-hmm. at the same time maybe a handful of something it won't be the end of the world if mm-hmm. a, a piece of a, a cake had dairy in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it was gluten free, but it was made with dairy milk. I think you'll live. You know, I think I don't yeah. think that you'll pass out on the floor. <laughs> you know, and you know, you can be sarcastic about it, and I don't want to be sarcastic about it. But but at the same time, it's like for me, I have so many other things that are literally mm-hmm. that I have to consider just getting through the day that. Mm-hmm. That I that I just I can't. I'm already mindful enough. I think, and you know, I don't want to turn anyone off about what you know. And, and for both of you who may be listening, who really may be really staunch paleo friendly or whatever you want, whatever you however you want to identify that. But like, I just have a hard time identifying. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like the labels, so it's like. I don't say I'm a vegan. I say that I, I try to live a plant-based lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I eat gluten-free. I, I live gluten-free because I have an autoimmune illness that dictates that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when we get caught up in these labels and, oh, that's not paleo, oh, that's not this or that's not that, mm-hmm. it, it, it it takes away from the, the principle of it. The, 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 prin- oh, yeah. the principle is to be as healthy and whole as possible mm-hmm. in how you eat. And I think... um. You know, like I mentioned before, baking a dozen paleo almond <laughs> flour cookies isn't healthy. Isn't you shouldn't be baking and eating that way. Even if you're even if you're cooking yourself, you still shouldn't be eating eating that every single day. Exactly. And I think that's just part of that idea of respecting. You know, getting back like you said, is we just need to respect each other. You know, and just. Also, 
be kind to ourselves too because exactly. if we do have that one day where we have a cookie or we have ice cream or whatever, like you said, it's not the end of the world. You know, no one is going to come and execute us on the street because, you know, we had a Rice Krispie treat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, but we can do that to ourselves. You know, we can just torment ourselves to such an extent that it just is not, you know, right. that our world just is horrible. And so I think sure. that we need to be kind to ourselves as well as be kind to other people because we're all on different journeys and mm-hmm. what might work for one person might not work for someone else. And, you know, and also I think you made an excellent point too is that we can't think of any particular thing, whether it's a diet or an alternative treatment or even a, a medical treatment as, you know, the one cure-all. You know, there's for the conditions that we have, they are changeable, they develop over time. It seems like there's seems like there's always a new food that I can't eat for a period of time for instance. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we just have to be flexible. We have to be willing to experiment with ourselves. We have to be patient and just not necessarily pin all of our hopes on, oh, this diet is gonna fix me. Yeah, so yeah, and I think, you know, I don't wanna beat this horse, you know, too much, Alicia, but I think, yeah, like you just said, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And I think just not being judgy or preachy about how you live, how you eat. I think giving advice is great. I think, you know, modeling or, you know, just showing through example or, you know, when you go to a, a lot of times when I go to gatherings or have function where food is like the, the center, I try to bake, make something or bake something that's, that's really healthy that so that people can kind of see that you know, everything doesn't have to be laden in butter or laden in salt or sugar or what have you to be not only to taste good, you know. Mm -hmm. I think doing it in those types of almost like these, um, being discriminant with it, you know, I'm not just going to be discreet about it, being discreet about Mm -hmm. how you do that and not being so the person who's like with a bullhorn on the street saying you're going to, you know, know, you're going to raise your blood pressure, you're going to get diabetes, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody wants to, the message will never be received well by that by by delivering mm-hmm. it in that way. It's it's almost mm-hmm. the way you deliver it and package it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's how I try to be mindful of it. That's what I like to. That's how I like to to, to feature it. You know, gluten free. Everyone can eat gluten free, whether you have to or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that I happen to be someone who has to, and so I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that that's how. I like to kind of couch it and, you know, not come from it the other way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for those people who are listening who really, they, they're interested in paleo, you know, resource-wise, where would you direct them? And also, like, what what are foods that you can eat then? You know? <laughs> um, if you're definitely, if you are interested in the paleo diet, there's obviously a ton of online resources. But I would start with Dr. Cordain's book, The Paleo Diet, that breaks it down um, into, you know, if you're interested in the science behind it, into his reasoning behind it, he includes recipes and meal plans, and mm-hmm. so it's definitely a good resource. Um, if you're interested, if you are interested in the autoimmune protocol, which is a much more restrictive form of the paleo diet, it's not meant um, to be followed forever. The idea is that you eliminate certain foods for a minimum of 30 days, and then you start reintroducing them to see if they cause issues. So you kind of know which foods you're sensitive and which you're not to. Um, And so then you're adding the additional elimination of eggs, dairy, Mm -hmm. all nuts, seeds, nightshades. So there's it's a very intense process, but it's for a very short period of time. So that some people, especially with autoimmune illnesses, might be interested in. I would check out um, The Paleo Approach by Sarah Ballantyne. She's kind of the number one AIP person right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one to add as well, Alicia. Um, Elena's Pantry, which I've mentioned before, mm-hmm. both online and through the podcast. So um, I forget her last name. I can't just escape me right now, but elenaspantry.com. She is um, a paleo food advocate. Um, so that's a great resource. And also there's a book called Make Ahead Paleo, which is, I think, mm-hmm. great. I've actually reviewed it on the blog and um, made quite a few recipes. It's really nice. It's really family-centric. So for persons who want to have a paleo, like everyone in their family, children, et cetera, um, great, easy, simple recipes that, you know, are that are easy to put together and make and the idea that you're making it ahead. So there's a meal plan friendly. You're actually 
prepping on one day for the week. And I think when you're following really, whether you're following any prescribed lifestyle, eating lifestyle or program or protocol in general, I think becoming more make-ahead centric, so mm-hmm. prepping ahead of time, I think it's just good practice. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, usually people aren't, that's not the way that our culture just historically <laughs> is, is. It's not usually until you're forced to become part of a specific protocol, whether it be gluten-free or paleo or whatever, that you mm-hmm. start to really hear and see and learn more about meal prep, meal planning. But I think really the concept of it, just I think it's just best practice, like mm-hmm. how easy it is. Like I've been trying to do it this last few weeks myself, making grocery shopping on the weekend and on Sunday, planning out my meals, and even if I don't necessarily make everything on one day, mm-hmm. making most things, and then just having, like, a list, like, hey, I'm going to eat this on this day. It's just so much easier. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you're, you're, you really, when you, when you plan ahead and know, you're, you're less prone, less prone to eat on the go, mm-hmm. get unhealthy takeout, buy processed snacks, because, mm-hmm. You planned your breakfast, you planned your your lunch, you planned your snack, and you have it with you. Exactly. I love it. I think it's it's just the concept of that, and mm-hmm. um, we'll get a little bit more into that on the blog, um, meal prep. But um, a very close blogger friend of mine, her name is Amber Beasy, and her website is Eats and Exercise by Amber dot com, and she's like the meal prep maven really, really insightful. And again, it's, it, it doesn't have to be, you, it can be fun. You can do it with your family. If you oh, have yeah. children, you can do it with your spouse or your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, the concept of it is great. And I think not only from a diet and nutrition perspective, Alicia, but also just from a, um economical perspective, like how much do mm-hmm. you spend Starbucks seeing and Dunkin' Donuts, oh, yeah. et cetera? It's, exactly. You save so much money when you actually grocery shop and mm-hmm. make your own food. You save a ton. Okay. You plan, you know, and part of it is just that planning, and then you kind of kind of check out, okay, this store has, you know, different prices and coupons, and it gives you an advantage. Absolutely, and I think, you know, um, the advantages of that, you you know, if you kind of start to really, as they say, count your coins, you can see how much you, you'd save just even looking at it from that perspective. So I think I think it's great. Um I don't think this is going to be the end of our kind of paleo discussion. I'm I'm interested to see, Alicia, once everyone who's listening, kind of what your feedback is. So if you are listening mm-hmm. to this episode, we really would like to hear your feedback. If you follow a paleo diet, you know, how has it worked for you? If you follow the paleo diet to, I guess, in a sense, to kind of heal your gut or cure, for lack of a better word, your autoimmune illness, have you found success with that? Um, mm-hmm. If you're someone who tried it and stopped it, why did you stop? What critiques do you have about a, a paleo diet or, you know, what are the goals, the positive things that you really like about it? Let us know. You know, reach out. You can always reach us. Um, Axaglutenfreechef at gmail.com is the, the email. And also um, on the, the blog, theglutenfreechefblog.com, you can always leave a comment. And, you know, I think, Alicia, what we really want to have you do is learn a little bit more about your, your, your journey, but specifically the paleo aspect of your journey. I know you've done, mm-hmm. you've, you've kind of put it into some of your pieces so far, but I definitely think um, listeners will really want to kind mm-hmm. of not only hear why you started it, what it was like for you when you were on it, mm-hmm. and also kind of the actual, like, logistical, how did you mm-hmm. go about implementing it into your life, the actual, like, you did this or you did that or you bought mm-hmm. this. I like to learn a little bit more about that because I do kind of want to introduce a little bit more into my diet just mm-hmm. in general. But like again, I don't, at this point, I'm 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 in, I have my feet my my hand in so many irons and fires <laughs> that gotta know, yeah, you gotta do what's best for yourself overall holistically. Exactly, and just you know, just knowing what I just want to want a meal plan. Even if you could do some some meal plans, that might be nice. oh okay, yeah, that, you know, mm-hmm. I think. All of us would benefit from that. Um, but again, you know, we'll put all of these resources, um, both Alicia's um, and the ones that we've discussed, in the show notes. But Alicia, I think we, we have to wrap up for this episode. I, I, oh, it pains me to say. It goes by so fast. 
so fast, but I, I don't think anyone wants to hear us rambling for <laughs> two hours. And I know you have to get tend to your family, baby Gabe, and your husband, and I need to definitely get some dinner and some myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, I think this will kind of wrap up our, our episode, What is Paleo? Mm-hmm. Um, looking for more information on the paleo diet and the gluten-free lifestyle and living, visit us on the gluten-freechefblog.com, also on Facebook, the gluten-freechefblog by Calvin Eaton, and we're also on Twitter, um, under the handle gluten free chef five and hashtag axe the gluten free chef and again you can email axe the gluten free chef at gmail dot com. But Alicia and I are going to bow out and bid you all adieu um, for for tonight, for today, or whether it's morning, noon. Mm-hmm. The great thing about podcasts is that you can listen anytime. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it. It's awesome. It's a great format. Exactly. So um, until next time, Alicia, we, we love when, when we have you as a, go- a co-guest host <laughs> on the podcast. Um, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you sooner than later, for sure. Thank you. It was very nice being here, as always. Always. So all of you who are listening, have a great night, and we will talk and hear from you all soon. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.